Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number 52, right? Yep. 52. Why is it so easy to forget that? I don't know. I thought I'm just going to was... always say yes, so then we can keep moving on to more important things. <laughs> okay, well, let's keep moving. But what if it's okay, not? <laughs> we are recording this lovely episode on October 11th, which is a Monday, and uh, on this day. Fall finally arrived. Do you know what happened on this day a long, long time ago, Tim? Fall finally arrived. It's like raining out and it's cold. Fall is here. Yes. Something the... else happened on October Wait, what's 11th. what's the date? 11th. Um, uh, for, perhaps, do you, know, do you know what happened on October 11th? Uh, during the third age of Middle Earth. Oh, I'm so excited. Tell us. Uh, which would be the year 1418 by Shire Reckoning. I love Shire Reckoning. On this day, October 11th of 1418, Shire Reckoning, Aragorn and the Hobbits are two days west, or about 40 miles, from the last bridge where they crossed the river Mithethel. I think that's the Elvish name. I don't know. Or the Horwell is what it's called. Yeah, when you run into the Bible names and you don't know how to say their names, you just kind of say something really quick and keep going. (laughs) And uh, they're they're crossing the last bridge uh, and uh, they're getting close to Rivendell. But they're moving quite slow because Frodo has a a wound. But anyway, that's what happened on October 11th, uh, 1418, Shire time. Do you have like a Shire calendar? Like how did you discover that? I have a book that I received from... Uh, Dr. Myron, where it has maps that correlate the days of where they are and their travel routes and things like that. It's a really cool book. That is so cool. And I was looking at that earlier today and thought it'd be fun to throw that in. Anyway, we have a number of other announcements. Okay. So uh, I guess announcement number one was welcome to episode 52. And announcement number two was, this is what happened in 1418 Shire time. And episode number three. Glad we got that again. I think it's cool. (laughs) Announcement number three. We have 209 Instagram followers. Yeah. We just recorded an Instagram live and a video and a story. You can go look at things there. I'll sum it up that we're thankful we have over 200. We're going to do a giveaway because we got to 200. And that giveaway is going to be in an Instagram live that's going to happen on October 18th around 4.30 p.m. Central Time. And that's because we have some other things going on right before that, and but we're going to target 4.30. And there are some things we're going to give away that you have to be in the Instagram Live to receive. The things that you have to be present to receive are the janky lamp. The janky lamp. If you want that lamp, got to be here. We're also going to give away two bookstore gift cards, and we're going to give away three books. We have, we're going to give away um, Do More Better by Tim Challies. We're going to give away Into the Wardrobe by David Downing, which is a book about the Narnia series. And we're going to give away a book, Tactics, by Greg Kokel, which is an apologetics book. Those things on that list there, you you have to be present to win. So if we draw your name and you're not in the Instagram Live, then uh, we will go to the next person. We will also uh, give away some mugs and shirts and stickers, and you do not have to be there for that. We'll do that right away to let people get into the Live and then once we think there's a, a good number there, we'll, we'll start doing the, um, the big giveaways. But plan to be there. We want you to be there. We would love to have all 209 of you present. I guess that includes us. So it'd be 206. Uh, we want all 206 people there. So uh, make, make a Google Calendar item right now. Instagram Live. We, we're going to show up for that and win some cool stuff. And we might uh, have some other fun stuff during that. We don't know. It's Instagram Live. We don't know what's going to happen hasn't happened yet okay so that's announcement number three we had some people participate number four in the hashtag my thinklings group uh i don't know what we would call it like a initiative promotion whatever we asked asked you if you have a group where you read books together and you talk about them to take a picture and upload it to our facebook or instagram and tag it hashtag it as my thinklings group and we had we've actually had two people do this Jared Ball created what I would call as a psychological breakdown of a photo where he photoshopped himself in multiple times so that he and he and he and he was his thinklings group. We're going to give him credit for being the first one. He emailed it to us. And then uh, we had another one over the weekend. It was Elizabeth Forrester, Kate Forrester, and Jessica Ray. Uh, and you can go and see that. We reposted it. Thank you guys for doing that. That's awesome. 
we would love for you, uh, all of you listeners to do that, make a little group and send us a picture. That's, that's really gets us motivated. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, so hashtag my thinklings group. They should really be considered the first one. I mean, really. Jared is technically the first one. No, he's not. But anyway. <laughs> not so, in my book. <laughs> not in his book in business. Okay. So, hashtag, remember the, like the not my president thing? Like, not my thinklings group. That's, that's not what we want. We don't want a not my thinklings group. We want a hashtag my thinklings group. Okay. Uh, so that was announcement number four. <laughs> we have a lot of announcements today. That's, I suppose that's a good thing. Uh, number five, we also want you... We said this a couple time uh, episodes ago. We would love for you to send in your own books in business. And if you do and we like it, we might read it on air. Uh, and so here's what you have to do to do that. You have to read a book, number one. Two, you got to write down your thoughts. You, so you get, probably have to have some thoughts. And then you have to write it down. And then you have to give it a ranking. So on our Thinkling's Goodness Scale, you can check that out on our website. And, oh, I think this is a five on the Thinkling's Goodness Scale. And then you need to email that written books in business to us at thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. What email is that, Andy? Thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Email that to us. We might read it on the air. And uh, yeah, we'd love for you to participate in books in business. And uh, we did have a pastor attempt to do that. And I never got the email. And then there's technical difficulties so uh, if you're hearing this, send it again, try it again. I don't know. But we haven't had anyone officially do that yet. So send us a books and business. Uh, and then last announcement. I uh, just want to say, if you haven't figured this out already, Tim and Andy and I, we all work at the same place. It's called Faith Baptist Bible College. And Theological the Seminary. And the I was going to say <laughs> And Theological Seminary in Ankeny, Iowa. And many of our listeners are students. I think we would say that we started this podcast for the students. And we're thankful that there's a lot of people that listen that are not Faith Baptist Bible College or Theological Seminary students. But we just want to say this. If you're a friend of the Thinklings, you should also be a friend of Faith Baptist Bible College. We are thankful for the college. We all went to school here. We made great friends here. Uh, we are great friends that met here. And uh, so we want to... We wanna, have as many students come to faith as possible. This is, you know, hashtag not a sponsor. Like they're not paying us to say anything. We are disassociated, but we love faith. So we want you to maybe spread the word that there's an event coming up. Uh, if you were here for our hundredth, that was an awesome celebration this past weekend. But we have another event coming up in November. It's fall scholarship weekend. And this is targeted for high school seniors to come and, you know, just bare bones, it's to find out if they come to faith, how much money we will give them to be a student at faith. Like, oh, I wonder how many scholarships they'll give me. Well, you find that number out by coming to fall scholarship weekend. And because we're friends of faith, we want to see as many students here as possible. And we just wanted to give a quick little uh, blurb saying, hey, if you know a senior, you are a senior, you have some students in your family or extended family that might fit at faith, uh, jump on our website, faith.edu, and check out the Fall Scholarship Weekend event. We'd love to have you here. And if you come, or you know of someone who comes, because they heard about it on the Thinklings podcast, you can come and talk to us at Fall Scholarship Weekend and say, hey, I heard about this from the podcast, and we'll give you a mug. So uh, show up. We'd love to have you here. We'd so. love to like, we'd love to meet you. That'd be great. We'd yeah, we'd awesome. love to meet you, so let us know if you're coming. And when you come, you can visit classes, so you can sit in Hebrew with Dr. Oh, you'll love it. I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> now, okay, interestingly enough, the only other seminary I visited, well, no, I visited two. So when I was looking at seminaries, I visited two others other than faith. And I, I mean, I was already taking seminary classes at faith, so it was like they had to really do a good job to win me away, and neither of them did. Uh, I won't name their names now. Uh <laughs> But there, but I was about to, but now after saying that they didn't really do the, one of them was better than the other. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's interesting that when I visited the one, the class that I did visit was Hebrew exegesis and I had already taken Hebrew grammar and, and a little, I think I'd taken one, maybe one exegesis course at that point. I worked ahead when I was in college and, uh, so I was, my first year of seminary was accelerated maybe, um. But I, I actually felt like I knew it was going on, 
Uh, but it's interesting that we say that because the only other class I visited of any other seminary was a Hebrew class. Um, anyway. And that's a nice thing. If you're thinking of like a pastoral major, consider also getting ahead. And that's what you can do at Faith, just like Charlie did. Many students do that these days. So, Yeah, we actually have like a five-year uh, accelerated MDiv program. That yeah, you which you should into. probably really do in six years, but yes. Mm-hmm. Or seven, like all the cool kids, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, so... I think that's all the announcements or the, the housekeeping items. And with that being said, we do have some normal thinklings business to tend to. Books and business. Let's talk about some books. Okay, I'm going to go through two books. Uh, the first one is Ooh. one that a listener actually brought to my attention. Thank you, Gina Hemmings. The you title. said two books? Yep. This is two for we one. We did episode prep and you only mentioned one book, Tim. So <laughs> this one's going to take just a little bit of time. It's oh. actually a children's book. It's <laughs> okay. called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it's basically about teaching your children. It, it provides an opportunity for you to talk to your kids about basically pornography and just inappropriate pictures. Uh, so it's a nice book that can just open that door. Uh, Gina Hemmings brought it to my attention. And so I was able to get a hold of the publisher. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm not cutting you off. Just pour me some coffee. We have some coffee. Oh, brother. Some coffee. So on that note, um, check it out at the Faith Bookstore. Uh, good pictures, bad pictures, and you can just stop in and even read through the whole thing, see if it's what you're after. Uh, and it could, it's a topic that needs to be discussed with children, especially in our day and age. Okay, so my book, the, the topic today is uh, Lady Wisdom. Who is Lady Wisdom? In fact, I would even recommend reading through Proverbs, well, all of Proverbs, but chapters one through nine. And notice when wisdom is doing the speaking or when wisdom is, is being spoken about. And she's always a lady. Why is she a woman? And I, I actually wrote a paper on this this summer. And so we uh, recorded three episodes on the identity of Lady Wisdom. Uh, well, no, one is on the identity of Lady Wisdom. That's the one going today. And then two others are going to be about uh, finding Lady Wisdom and then becoming Lady Wisdom. So those will be uh, coming th- uh, this fall. Now, uh, the book that I, one of the books that I found helpful is by Leo Perdue, Wisdom and Creation, The Theology of Wisdom Literature. And he talks about how wisdom in Proverbs 8, which is one of the key texts, wisdom uh, describes her origins as the child of God, present at creation and her position as the mediator between heaven and earth. So think through who is wisdom and and the terminology in Proverbs 8 seems to delineate that wisdom is created uh, which some people have issues with. But um, anyway, you can listen to the rest of this episode on that content. On the content, Leo Perdue, I, I agreed with him there. But what is wisdom? As we think through what wisdom is, and as you read through Proverbs 1 through 9, Perdue has this other section on page 83. I'm just going to read a little bit. In this image of the divine architect, wisdom is the skill, plan, and knowledge God uses to secure and order the cosmos. So it's like God made the world, and what's the blueprint by which God made the world? That would be wisdom. Uh, in the embrace of wisdom, so then what's a person in their relationship to wisdom? I'll pick up, continue reading. Subsequently, divine wisdom continues to bring stability to the ongoing cosmic order. In the embrace of wisdom, because that's what the young man is it's supposed to do, he's supposed to embrace wisdom, which is an interesting word that's used. I talk about that. Uh, in the embrace of wisdom, in the knowledge, uh, in the sorry, in the embrace of wisdom, the student embodies the same cosmic power of life and knowledge that God used in creating and governing reality. And truly, in wisdom literature, that's what the young man is seeking to do. He's seeking to live according to the way God ordered the world. Well, how does he do that? He it's according to wisdom. He's embracing that. Uh, way God made the world. So Purdue, this is kind of a little more technical of a book. I'm going to put it as a maybe a three on the Thinkling's Goodness scale. It's still a good book. There's some things that I don't agree with in it, uh, several things I don't agree with in it. It's a little more technical of a title as well, but uh, Wisdom and Creation by Leo Purdue, The Theology of Wisdom Literature. Awesome. I'm going to, have I mentioned this book before? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You bet you have. I can't remember if I've done it for books and business yet. I think I have. I think you've Probably a couple of times. Two, you introduced it really quick, and then I think last week or yeah. two weeks ago you talked so about it. So the book it. is The Intellectual Life by A.G. Sertayange, O.P., which is Order of Priests. We looked that up. That's we right. Did. We did yep. that. We did. That was a thing. He's Catholic. 
Yeah, he is Catholic. I thought <clears> he was joking around. And his hermeneutics... Oh, no, it's, his, it's legit. <laughs> I'll say his poor hermeneutics are on display in this chapter. Um, he talks about the song, Tim. Oh, boy. He, he, ref, he refers to it as the Canticle of Canticles, which is a great title. Yeah, it's Latin. Yes, which you would expect from a... Priest. Catholic. Anyway, so... <laughs> There's some good things in this book, too, other than bad hermeneutics. Uh, so this chapter, it's chapter three. It's the organization of life. <laughs> you guys got to stop laughing. You're going to make me laugh. Uh, the organization of life. So how do you organize your life to have an intellectual life? Sounds like a wisdom theme. Yeah. You know, something like that. Anyway, so he has, he has six subdivisions of this chapter. Number one is simplification. So you have to simplify your life, which is great. Wait, is he the original minimalist? I think this is starting to sound like a productivity book. Wow. What about that lady who wants you to fold your clothes and fit them all and like get rid of things? Marie, what's her face? What's her name? I don't know. Okay, sorry. He's, I think he's the OG. He is the OG. O-G-O-P. Okay, anyway. Um, so number one is simplification. But number two, I was reading this and I was listening to episode from last week where Andy talked about boredom and diversion and I think you specifically mentioned the idea of solitude. But I, I, if you didn't, it, I, I thought about it, the episode of the podcast, as I read, because section two here is solitude. And he says, in the organization of your our life, the essential point to safeguard, in view of which all the rest is necessary, is the wise provision of solitude, exterior and interior. And so your episode last week about boredom, you're talking about how people, they they can't just like be quiet and enjoy life, like just be content with, you know, solitude. And uh, Sir Tayange is pointing that out. as like, you need to develop that ability, cultivate that ability to have an intellectual life. Like you have to be okay in quiet and solitude because if you're going to read, guess what you need to do? You kind of need to lock yourself away sometimes and, and do that. And so... Uh, that was the first thing I wanted to mention was that that tied into last week's episode. And uh, and so if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. But Sir Tayange talks about that too. It was really good. Uh, but then right after that, uh, section three and section four, I thought were really interesting. And they are, number three, the cooperation with one's fellows. And number four, cultivation of necessary contacts. And I'm going to read a little a little part of this chapter. And, uh, and I already told you I'm reading from the chapter, but here's the game, listener. Did the Thinklings say it or did Sir Teange say it? Okay. Teeing that up on, okay. He's talking about having cooperation with other people in the intellectual life. And he says, try if you can to join some such group. Try if need be to establish one. Now, is there anything that we've talked about that sounds really similar to that? Nothing's coming to mind. Like read good books. Oh, that. And have conversations with your friends. Man, Sir Talish stole it from us. I, you know what? I think we, that's ours. It's our intellectual right. And so I'm going to email whoever published this and be like, hey, what's going on? You know? Uh, no. So <laughs> Let's sue the dead guy. Yeah, sue the, <laughs> well, he the probably dead had a... Catholic French, Frenchman. <laughs> So you're saying he had like a DeLorean and he went to the future oh and listened to our podcast? That is not what I'm saying. Okay. But here's what I'm saying. Smart people for a long time have agreed that your contacts and your friendships are important to what you learn and know. And uh, I mean, that's almost verbatim what we already talked about in this episode. There's a picture of these three gals that read books together and talk about them. And here's Sir Tayanj saying, hey, you want to have an intellectual life. You want to have a career as, as an intellectual where you read and think and write. You've got to have good friends. And you got to have a group of people that you can work together with. And I read that and I was like, man, that's what we're doing. And so it was a blessing to know that other people have thought of this too. And I just, I share that with you, listener, as an encouragement. Maybe pick up this book and read through what he's recommending, but then do this one. Listen to Sir Tayange and the Thinklings. Make a group of people to read books with and think about them. Talk about them with your friends. So that's, that's my book. Uh, I'm, I'm only, you know, 50, 60 pages in, but this is a really good book. I really enjoy it. It's slowly creeping up on the list. I don't think I've given it a rating yet, but it's. I think there's a reason why it is found on many books of educators, uh, Christian educators, because it is that 
hearty of a book. It's very robust. Yeah, I ordered a bunch of them so that I can promo it. So you keep <laughs> Is promoting that your promo? It. <laughs> it's going to be coming out at the bookstore. I really did like it. He's a, a Thomas Aquinas scholar, so he's mostly studying Aquinas. But it was, when I read it, I, I felt like it, I had to go slower because there was so much to process and so many good nuggets of truth. So I agree with you. Now, I understand the same, I would say the same thing about the hermeneutics that you do. It's, it's, that's not what I'm going to that book for. Yeah. And so just to give you a little bit of a hint of what he did with the, the song, he talks about like the wine, the wine cellar, which comes up in the song, right? Wine is a major theme. In I mean, he talked, there's something about, I might just read it. Should I just read it? This is what he says about the, the, where is the canticle of canticles quote? The wine cellar mentioned here in an allusion to the canticle of canticles, dot, 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 is the secret dwelling place of truth of which far, of which from afar the perfume attracts the spouse. That is the fervent soul. It is the abode of inspiration, the radiant center of enthusiasm, of genius, of invention, of ardent search. It is the scene of activity of the mind and its wise delight. Yeah, he, he allegorized the thing. That's song one three. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely allegorized. So, and he's, he's bringing it into the idea of like... The a, intellectual... The intellectual search type which of Which is thing. interesting because in that passage it's talking about intellectually evaluating a spouse. What should you be looking for? And that's an intellectual activity. And what you're supposed to be looking for is a person that is speaking to a young woman, the man who smells good. And that's a person with a good reputation. What does that take? A mind. It takes thinking. That's fascinating. That Anyway, is, is he still allegorizing? It's not scriptural proof. We should provide scriptural proof for like a, the thinklings, like having your group. I don't think we've ever exegeted it. Like where do we go in the Bible? To we say, do that. this is what we, you should do. I think we've talked about it here and there from a passage here and there. We should like mm -hmm. have an episode on that. I love it. I think we should do that. All right. For this, for my book this week, I'm going to do Erwin Lutzer's book called We Will Not Be Silenced. And this book is about the cultural moment that we're living in here in 2021. He goes back to the events before uh, like 2020, 2019. And he actually published this pre, well, I don't know, it was a little while ago. And what he does is he looks through uh, the different cultural forces that we're experiencing. And he, I think what it, the book promises is how to respond to those things. And I would say that I enjoyed the book. So I'm thankful I read it. So it's definitely in the one to three range on the goodness scale. And then I would say that I think you should read it. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I think you should. Yeah. If you got time, you should read it. This is good. So I'd give it like a five and let me, ex I know I'm giving the rating first. And I'm going to tell you more about the book, but here's why I would give it that way. Um, if you don't know anything about what's going on at a cultural level, you don't know what cultural Marxism is. You don't know what uh, any of the postmodern thought is. If you don't know those things and you've not really experienced them, but then you're looking at the world and wondering why is this stuff happening that's happening? This book would be a really good first um, introduction to it, I might say. So at our church, uh, we, we use the Bible in Sunday school. That's our main thing. But often in the summers, we'll do like topical studies. And so this summer, we wanted to talk about culture and what's going on in culture and think of ways Christians can respond to culture. So we use this book as a setup. And each week, whoever was teaching, I was one of the teachers, Tim was one of the teachers. We do like a quick summary of the chapter. And then we find a, a text that we want to walk through that might complement it. Because you don't, even though he's a biblical author and he's using the Bible, we want to use the Bible as primary source material. So a lot of what we did was, hey, he talks about this issue now. What does the Bible say about it? And we would talk about those. And I thought it was pretty good. Uh, he's He comes at it at a lay level, which is okay. But that's to say he doesn't give a lot of footnotes. And a lot of times he's just telling you this is how it is. And it's it's helpful. And it's not like he hasn't done any research. But if I was going to really try to respond to the issues, I would... I might start here to introduce myself as like when you, when you read an encyclopedia, but then you go to the better resources later. So I would say this is like a four or a five on the Thinkling's goodness scale for that reason. Um, it was okay. He didn't always respond. He didn't always uh, give you the response that you thought he was going to. I think he promised sometimes and he didn't always deliver. But Tim, what'd you think? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, remark. Sometimes his responses were like, obviously this is absurd instead of actually giving arguments against 
uh, uh, a societal uh, thing. Okay, so for example, he has a chapter on like the sexualization of children, but he doesn't really, I didn't think he really expounded why, why that's wrong or even where it came from. Uh, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern South by Carl Truman dealt more with that component of it. So uh, We Will Not Be Silenced is a good intro to it and the topics, and then you could expand and expound from there. Um, I sometimes reading it would get a little bit amped up, like, oh, the world is messing everything up and hating God and blah, 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 blah. There was internal turmoil that would arise within me, and I had to check my flesh. So I just read it with some caution as well. Um, remember that the principalities and powers and the forces that are at work in this world are, are uh, um, not only physical. There's also a spiritual battle at play. I would also say it is similar to that if you like get on Twitter and you're just totally annoyed by the whatever side of the politics spectrum you're on and you're reading the other side and you're getting frustrated. That's definitely a fleshy response. I think sometimes talk radio announcers and people on politics will speak in a way to cultivate that. I wouldn't say he did that at all, but I would say at times he got energetic maybe is that how would you say it like i don't he wasn't like a sean hannity or something no you know but at times i think the content (laughs) and who's sean hannity (laughs) come on keep going i would say sometimes the content uh the way it was presented if you're not careful i would agree you get all like ah but but really unbelievers are going to behave like unbelievers the world's going to be the world and so we shouldn't be surprised by that sean hannity is going to act like sean hannity (laughs) andy's i'm going to act like me okay all right there we go Tim, you have anything to say before we jump into your content? Um, yeah, get out your Bible, read it, study it out, have fun. Uh, you know, we talk about reading good books. Don't forget the book, the best book. Study the book of Proverbs and see if these things are so. Amen. Let's have a conversation about Lady Wisdom. We talked about Lady Wisdom in the spring of 2021, and at that time, the the idea of Lady Wisdom and who she was was more of an idea to me. This last summer, I was able to write a paper and present it at the Bible Faculty Summit. And I was able to, um, whenever you put the ideas on paper, then you have a better understanding of them. So uh, the idea that I am going with is that Lady Wisdom is a composite character. And when I say that she's a composite character, I'm saying that she represents several different ladies. This is often already agreed upon by a lot of people concerning the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. And by the way, I am kind of going to assume a lot of scripture passages here and some familiarity with Proverbs. If you find yourself a little bit lost, open your Bible. Go ahead and just read through Proverbs 1 through 9, Proverbs 31, uh, the book of Ruth, and uh, listen to this podcast again and think through these concepts. This is very practical stuff. This is wisdom literature, and it still applies to the church today. So, Who is the Proverbs 31 woman? Well, Solomon specifically states in Proverbs 31, who can find her? Well, I should say Solomon, whoever the author of Proverbs 31 is. Who can find a virtuous wife or an excellent wife? For her worth is far above rubies. And then the description of the Proverbs 31 woman. She is a woman that um, uh, is superwoman, essentially, And uh, the phrase, excellent wife or virtuous wife, or however your translation takes, Proverbs 31.10, that phrase occurs only three times in the entire Bible. And um, the one one of the other places is Ruth chapter 3. Boaz calls Ruth a virtuous woman, the same word. And Ruth obviously did not do some of the things in Proverbs 31. She did not manage estates or plant a vineyard. She was very poor. Her household was not clothed in scarlet. She had no children, at least until after she met Boaz. Um, And so most scholars agree that the Proverbs 31 woman is a composite woman or an ideal, an archetypal woman, a woman uh, that represents many different women. Uh, And Ruth, being the virtuous woman, did not have several of these characteristics, but that doesn't mean she's not the virtuous woman. Nevertheless, what should uh, a woman seek to ascribe to be? Well, according to Proverbs 31, this would be a portrait of what that looks like. Similarly, if a young man is looking for a wife, what should he look for? Well, the text specifically states 
that that's one of the purposes of it being written is to instruct a young man on what to look for in a in a wife. So, is Proverbs 31 woman a composite woman? Yes, and most scholars are going to agree to that. Now, in my paper, what I did those, I did, I compared it with the woman of Proverbs 1 through 9, Lady Wisdom. And I argued that not only is the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 a composite woman, she's also compositely included with Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 1 through 9. Now, that might sound a little bit confusing, like, huh, what are you talking about? Well, wisdom is personified in Proverbs 1 through 9 as a woman. Why is, perso- why is she personified as a woman? I mean, a lot of people want to say Lady Wisdom is Jesus, okay? I mean, from a theological perspective, are you okay with that? I mean, he's a woman, you know? Well, why if Jesus is wisdom, then wouldn't we expect wisdom to be pictured as a man, not as a woman. And so I I just, I don't, I don't agree with that interpretation. Some like Bruce Wolke, he says that it's a, there's a typology there. There's a type between lady wisdom and Jesus. Okay. But I mean, then that gets into like your definition of what typology is. And I don't want to get into that. What I want to say is that wisdom is not uh, God. In fact, wisdom is created in Proverbs chapter eight. And uh, wisdom is uh, a representative, lady wisdom, is representative of God's order in creation, right? God's order in creation. And I want to read some Bible for you here. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 8, a few verses. Uh, Start in verse 22. The Lord possessed me, the me there is wisdom, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no fountains abounding with water. So in verse 24 there, speaking of wisdom, and wisdom was brought forth. The terminology that's used there is this idea of like giving birth, like she had a beginning. It was before the creation of the world because she represents the order of creation. This is how God made the world. So wisdom's created first, and then the world is created. Um, I'm going to read just another uh, one verse. Verse 25, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. There's that idea of birth again. So wisdom is not God but as representing the order of creation, wisdom can do God-like things. For example, in Proverbs chapter 1, wisdom mocks the youth that disobeys him, that disobeys her. (laughs) Um, And and so wisdom will do these God-like things, like rebuking, okay? It's like what God does. Well, wisdom's doing it. Well, wisdom can do it because wisdom represents the order of creation. Now, just a quick aside, you might be like, man, this order of creation, you're dealing with some maybe a little bit heady kind of stuff. I would really encourage you to study through what is God's order of creation. This is actually something that's lost on modern sensibilities, but it's part of what the sage, what the wise person would seek to do in the ancient days. In fact, I was reading uh, Carl Truman's book, um, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, and what he said in conclusion, because he's dealing with the sexual revolution and all the crazy things going on in our culture, expressive individualism and stuff. He's like, we need to recapture the order of creation. Okay. And what is the order of creation? That's what we're talking about here. This is the, this is wisdom. This is the way God ordered the world. Okay. He's the way he's put everything together and connected to how God ordered creation and put everything together. You have, especially in the Old Testament Hebrew setting, a wife. How is it that God has ordered everything? Well, the primary way in which he's ordered things is that a young man would get married and he would have children. Well, what kind of a woman would you want to marry? Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. Now, what happens if you mess up and you marry Dame Folly, okay? Well, you're not going to have so great of a life, okay? And there's a lot of Proverbs in chap- between chapters 10 through 29 that talk about the 
the dripping, the contentious wife and the dripping wife and all these illustrations about how bad life is, okay, with Dame Folly. So you don't want to marry Dame Folly. You want to marry the virtuous wife. In fact, if you want to truly be wise, you can't. Uh, you have to marry her. And if you fail to marry her, you are not wise. Why is that? Because it's impossible to live according to the order of creation without Lady Wisdom, without the virtuous wife. And maybe we can talk about that in a little bit if we will save that for just a moment. Now, I want to just kind of hit, before I get into that, I got, I got like two minutes, <laughs> two minutes left. I want to highlight just some of these connections. I'm not just whipping this out of thin air, okay? And if uh, I would encourage you to study this out. Look at the terminology between the virtuous woman, okay, the excellent wife in Proverbs 31, and Lady Wisdom in chapters 1 through 9. Both of them are difficult to find. We see that in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 4. The young man, it's, it's hard to find wisdom. Proverbs 31, 10, can't find her. Okay, both result in blessing and happiness. Um, there's this word for profit, and both Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 3.14, there's great profit with her, similarly with the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31.18. This phraseology is even exactly the same. So Proverbs 3 in verse 15 speaks of the value of wisdom. I want to read this verse for you. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Now listen to the Proverbs 31 woman. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Now, the identity of what the rubies are is irrelevant. It's the same word in the original Hebrew. Okay, both of these ladies, their value exceeds uh, rubies. They're both trustworthy, and uh, the, the house is a major theme. And I'm going to do a three-part series here on Lady Wisdom. Uh, this is the first one. And... Um, and this house theme is going to come up again. And Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 31, the virtuous wife, she builds her house. In Proverbs 9, it's like all about the house. Okay, the, the Lady Wisdom is building her house and Dame Folly is building her own house. So I've just given you like a little bit of a snippet of all of this. But the general idea is Proverbs 1 through 9. Who is that? That's Lady Wisdom. Who is Proverbs 31? That's the excellent wife. Well, who is that? She is... Lady Wisdom, right? It's the same person. It's a composite character. Hey, let me give you a physical characterization of a Lady Wisdom. Ruth. Ruth is the virtuous wife. She is Lady Wisdom, and Boaz is one of the rarest of men because he found her and married Lady Wisdom. Okay, so what do you guys think about that? So are you saying she's also an ent wife? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Yikes. Referring to that earlier episode. Is she trustworthy? Oh. <laughs> Does she build her house? You can't find her. <laughs> Horrendous. So as a composite character then, you would not be saying, you would be saying God's intended design is for people to be married and have spouses. But then yes. does that mean that like Paul, who I think as far as we know is unmarried, was bereft of wisdom? How would you, is that, am I connecting the wrong? Yeah, so uh, the, the singleness component of this, I have not studied extensively, but I would say that it's an anomaly. And I it have is... much experiential knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was not single. Of, not of being wise. <clears throat> of being single. <laughs> I was single for a while as think, well. And I would say that we should get Dr. Ken down here. He was single for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, you should arrange that. Let's do that. Uh, I would say that it's not the order of creation. If everybody's just remaining single, then guess what? You're not going to have children. You're not going to have, okay? That's not the order, the way that God designed the world. The way that God designed the world, and most people are going to fall into this category is that they marry and that they have children and they have a house and a family. And in the Old Testament world particularly, like you're using New Testament illustrations and examples, the Old Testament world was very um, um, familial, uh, and there was a focus on, I mean, a young man staying single was an absurdity. 
everybody would marry. And the point was you have your inheritance, it's connected to the land, and you have to pass that down to the next generation. When you're thinking of before the Messiah came, you know, every mother was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to want to give birth to the Messiah. And, and so there was a huge emphasis on family and offspring. You see this even in the life of Daniel. And Daniel did not marry. In fact, Daniel was quite likely made a eunuch. Um, so he did not have any uh, children. And uh, there, there's likely a reference to even people like Daniel. And I think it's Isaiah 55 where it talks about how those who cannot have children are uh, have like a, I can't remember what it says, like a, an offspring like a, or something else, or God makes them fruitful. And, and, and so that's an abnormality. Okay. It's interesting that you brought that, the familial part up, like even in, even in the New Testament times, like you look at Romans and Greek households, there was like culturally that was very common. And I think today in our culture, and maybe that's where Carl Truman's going in his book, our culture today is like swinging far away from that. But it's interesting. I remember watching a Christian movie about a decade ago called The Nativity. Have either of you seen it? It's like, you know, when you watch a Christian movie and they get the called cringy and cheesy. And this is one of those movies that earned that. But one of the things that really bothered me, aside from the poor acting, was that Mary had a 21st century view of things. She didn't want to get married. She wanted to have her own life. She wanted to matter. She wanted to like build something for herself first. And so for her to have this be pregnant, she was like, I don't want this. And I remember thinking that's completely anachronistic. That would not be like all the women in the Old Testament would be like, I want to have the Messiah. Right. So, so then, okay. So it's a composite character. It does relate to marriage and singleness. Is there another level where when I read this, it's supposed to inform me in a different way. Try looks like okay. I want, I want to jump in because the question you asked is a really good one. It's like if if it's the the way the order of wisdom is to be married. The order of creation yeah. is, and then so how do, if you if you aren't married, then are you not wise like that? Like that's why I was going. Yeah, look on it. There is so, an element of the order of creation you won't experience. Yeah. Well, I, what what I want to throw in is that. The book of Proverbs isn't like a checklist, but I would say that there's larger stones and then progressively smaller stones in the path of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And the biggest one is what? The beginning of wisdom is? The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. And I would say another really large rock is if you screw up who you marry, it's going to be really, you cannot, you cannot follow the path of wisdom if you you know, have not done this correctly. Like your whole life is going to be marred with folly if you marry the wrong woman. Mm -hmm. And then you get into a lot of the chapters where there's really small ways that wisdom is played out. So it's not like you you either have it or you don't in the sense of like you do these things, you're wise. Yeah, you're like, kind of getting into some of the applicational points. Yeah. And I'm with you there and I want to talk about some of that in the next two okay. recordings. Okay. Like the specifically the, you know, if you fail to marry Lady Wisdom, okay, you know somebody did fail to marry Lady Wisdom, and uh, like, like a thousand times, maybe? yeah, a thousand times he missed the <laughs> Mister. Okay, so and, and I think he instructs us from some of the other uh, wisdom literature on how to find her. So I think that seems to be like what you're getting to a and, little bit. And we got to keep in mind too that Lady Wisdom isn't equal actual lady so to be wise isn't to find a actual lady whether or not you have found the symbolic lady wisdom is demonstrated in who you find physically but there are many other ways that you could demonstrate that you have wisdom it's like just because if you have that one area of your life where you haven't actually married someone there are many other areas of your life you could demonstrate that you've actually found like you could love the Lord and like that is a very wise thing and you could love right. the Lord and not be married. Yeah, so that's like the fear. A la Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. As the single guy, I feel like that should be emphasized. Right, so and the fear of the Lord is, uh, of course, the book begins with the fear of the Lord, okay, Proverbs 1-7, and it concludes with the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 31. 
um, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And what I argue in my paper is that what does what is the ultimate way in which one is going to really be able to live according to the order of creation, the way God designed the world? You have to marry Lady Wisdom. That's the connecting point. And I know you might not like that. That's okay. You can not like it. We can talk about it some more. I want to talk about this in two more episodes. And in the next episode... Let's, the, let's tease them then. Let's tease them. No. So like, how this do you... Is, this is really becoming like How do you like marry a, Lady Wisdom? Right. And not be married? Let me put it this way. Can you? God's order of creation includes intimacy. And so if you are single, then you're not going to experience that aspect of the order of creation. So if you want to enjoy intimacy according to the order of creation, the way that God's designed it, you have to marry the right girl. Otherwise, what's intimacy often look like? Manipulation, okay? There's all kinds of problems that arise, and you won't experience intimacy according to the order of creation, the way God designed it, unless you marry Lady Wisdom. Furthermore, the way that God ordered creation concerns children. And if you fail to marry Lady Wisdom, your home life, okay, think of the implications. And so what I argue in my paper is what is the epitome, the top of the pyramid of being actually wise from an Old Love Testament? No, from an Old Testament. Did you say no? I think he just said no. <laughs> The, the beginning of wisdom is the, not to love the Lord? The epitome of, of uh, living according to the order of creation, somebody that truly has, ah. has lived according to the order of creation, is to marry Lady Wisdom. That's like the epitome of all of it. Listen, the love of the Lord, okay, who's that dependent upon? Who's well, that dependent upon? I feel like Stearns shared a meme earlier this week, which was, Han Solo sitting at the table. Oh, yeah, that and was there's a good like one. this discrepancy of who shot first. Uh, did Han shoot first? Or I Han can't remember. Shot first. What was the other guy's name? Han and Gr- Gr- Greedo. Uh, Gr- Greedo, I think, yeah. And it's like one of them is uh, Han is like my love for God. No, no Han is God's love for us. Yeah. And Greedo's is our love for God. Yeah. Anyway. It's so good. So, yeah. Who, who, yes. The answer <laughs> is yes. He just went. Up into okay. Different... Okay. Can we let's? Yeah. So we need to wrap this up. We well, no, wrap this I gotta. Up. I gotta. I gotta okay, answer fi- my finish question. It up, finish okay. It up. The love of the Lord is dependent upon. I mean, you. You need to love the Lord. You need to fear the Lord. Okay. Well, what about Lady Wisdom? All of a sudden, you've entered. You brought another soul into the equation. I don't understand. It's like you're dependent for you to live according to the order of creation, loving the Lord. You have to do it. Okay, I see what if you're saying. you are going to live according to the order of creation, like fully, mm-hmm. it's not just you. It's somebody else. And, what, and, if, and you, so that's if you marry someone that's going to... Oh, that's a good point. Okay. If you marry someone that's going to hinder you yeah. right, from loving the Lord. I see the point. Then, and that doesn't negate that if you mess up and you marry the wrong person that you need to you know, pull out. All right, we're going to talk about that in my next recording. All right, how do you, mar- how do you, how do you find her regard or whatever anyway i am getting i'm it's a little teaser i guess maybe i'll just need to be quiet can okay, i stir and you with that so is this a i know i know we're i don't want us to go too long but is it is it okay to say this so i'm thinking of paul and i know you're old testament but like new testament is important too but i'm thinking of paul and he says you know if you're single stay single if you're married stay married some people god has made single okay so it it almost is it possible to take what you're saying cuz i think what you're saying a little bit comes off saying the point of all of this in Proverbs is get married, which means like it's a marriage manual. And it seems like maybe it's more than that, but would it be possible to say that if you desire to be married, to submit to God, and then you end up not getting married, not because you're not being wise, then okay, that's fine. But it's the it's the counter to that, which is what Truman's talking about. A culture that says, I'm not going to get married. I don't want to do this. I just want to have all the I want to have the cake and not eat it or whatever if you're talking about intimacy. Is that a possible way to think through this or is that not at all what you're thinking it says? And so, you know, when we get into like the singleness in the New Testament ethic and Paul and his eschatological focus, you know, the end times are are here. Um, I mean, you're, you're entering into New Testament theology. So I first like to just look at this from an Old Testament theological perspective. 
and from an Old Testament theological perspective, this was the this was the life, this was what was expected, this was what they were supposed to do, and this was the way that God designed the world. And even from a New Testament perspective, I would still contend, you know what, single men, guess what? The order of creation is you get married. Now, maybe God's gifted you with a gift of singleness. Okay, that does happen. We have a New Testament ethic that supports that. And, you know, one of our compadres here in the thinklings, maybe God's gifted you with that, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how things go. <laughs> but and if he has, may the Lord bless you and and may you have fruit eternal um, and using your singleness for the glory of God and not for selfish ambition. And that's a New Testament ethic, but that's different. And it's not the order of creation. It's an abnormality. You run into abnormalities it, all the time. It's it's unique. It's not yeah. meant to I, be the yeah. The, the that's main a better word. word. I don't like abnormal. It's not abnormal. That's a bad word. So okay, unique. Here, here's we got to wrap this up. So here's we're gonna. This do. is like a real Tim, legit thinkling's Tim, conversation. Where right can here. they get your paper? Well, it's I'm gonna seek to get it published, and um, I if they want a copy, can they come find you, and you'll give them like um. You uh, give them a copy of it? I mean, we'll see when this airs and what has happened. I have to make some changes to it. I've had a few people request it already, and I want to make some changes to it. The, the point I'm asking is, because we're going to come back to this. You said it's going to be a three-part series. Right. So so if someone's like really, really interested, like you're like, man, this is really yeah, I'm not ready what to I want to talk about. In its current form, I'm not ready to hand it out. When this okay. airs, maybe I will. We'll see. So they can check social media. Yeah. So you can, I, I was just going to say, like, if, if they can access even some of the material, then you can like, hey, read it. It'll prepare them more for the next two conversations because they actually have the context of your, your paper. I really want to get this published, so I got to be mindful. Yeah, you can't just let stuff out and, if it's not published. And yet. if it is, so, if you're listening to this right now, if it is published, it'll it'll be in books and business. We'll talk about it in books and business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.